Hello everyone, I'm Matt Berry. This is the second episode of a series of conversations with Jean-Michel Jarre at his studio in Paris. Today, we'll be talking about oxygen. So this, because we've spoken about this before, um, there's no demos, is there, for what you did with Oxygen? Because you would just rub them out and then start again, as it were. Yes. And it was it at this time that you met your collab, Michael Geese? Was that yes. yeah. here? And how did you meet him and, and what I part mean, did he play? He was a technician, maintenance technician at uh, a very famous French record company at that time called Barclay. And now it has been bought by Universal, I think. And then uh, I met him because he was uh, very interested into electronic instruments. And he did uh, one early demonstration of the R2600 in Paris. And then I met him there. And uh, then he, he was, because he was de- making his demonstration, owning this instrument. At that time, it was quite expensive. And then uh, uh, he went to my place and then we started to experiment with this because I, it was difficult to afford it also because it was really in the early days of this instrument. And then I started to work with him. I mean, and also he was teaching me to to uh, to use this kind of first semi-modular since, since I, I could put my hands on. And then uh, step by step, we, we, we worked together and, and mainly as a, as a kind of sound engineer. And he was, for Oxygen, for instance, he was working at uh, his record company as a maintenance guy during the day and he was coming uh, at night. So because I was working at night and, and also, also on the day, he was joining me and then uh, cleaning and recording. And we started like this, the, the, the thing I had prepared during the day. Yeah, and what what you say, what you're saying, is also very interesting about the fact that in those days I had uh, I had this kind of probably the first home studio in in France, where because uh, as I mean in those days the the, the serious music was done in serious recording studios with yeah. a window where God was the sound engineer behind the window and we were we were just uh, on the other side as musicians, and where of course for electronic music you need to to mim- to match. The, the mixing area with the main studio to record your own sounds. And then I did this home studio in a, in a kitchen in, in the flat I had uh, in, in Paris. And uh, he was joining me and we, we had one of the first uh, eight tracks tape recorder because before all the production you were mentioning before, I did that in a very unusual way. I was uh, four revoxes yeah. for, for two tracks and you can, you couldn't synchronize them. But I, I, I re- noticed that if you, if you record the, if you record uh, something on one revox, keeping the same reel and then you play it with the same reel and uh, with the same instrument, I mean, you are, it's, it's, it's not really shifting before for three, four, four minutes. 
And then I had just one thing that uh, uh, Michel Guess, I mean, uh, did, and it's just to one having synchronized the four play mode at the same time. And then by just like a DJ would, would do later on, I was just, just slowing down some of the, of this to try to get the eight tracks yeah. done by four tape recorders in sync. And I could play until four minutes like this. And then it would go out. I did, I did lots of, lots of productions. I did the soundtrack for Le Grange Brûlée like this. I did the, lots of very serious, <laughs> very serious recordings like this. And then at last I could afford one of the first eight tracks. And as you said, which is something that, uh, something that people don't realize in days that you can archive everything on hard drive. Yeah. You can, you can just do everything, any, anything you, 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 you record everything. I had only one tape. So I had no choice by if I was not happy with something, I, I would erase what, what I mean, the, what I've done the previous day. So the reason why I have no archive. It's such a shame. Oxygen. It's such a shame. So I had to, to redo, uh, to, to do, a, uh, I had actually two tapes. Yeah. And that is the reason why that if you take the master tape, it's very funny because you have, uh, and, and that was crazy when you think of it, because I, right in the middle of the part one of Oxygen, I had one piece I really liked. This suddenly in the, the first part, you have this kind of brassy, quite epic brassy moment. That's, this is coming from another tape that I recorded another time. I said that it's really matching very well. And then I, I did this very strong edit, quite dramatic edit by, by cutting this and then the cutting this uh, and mixing those two tapes. And even the colors are different. One is pink in the middle of the black gray black tape it's totally crazy and and you you can't you can't hear the 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 edit and on on a non-rhythmic part it's quite a challenging to to cut like yeah. this on an eight track and then then uh michel guest was coming and then step by step i asked him to do uh, to 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 uh, conceive some instruments in those days it was before midi so i had to play most of the time sequences by hand and that, that is coming from the very, uh, kind influence I had from Terry Riley. Yeah. Because when I, when I was, uh, still at college, I, at summertime, uh, for summer, I went, uh, into a quite famous uh, studio, even in the UK called the Chateau, Chateau de Rouville, where lots of uh, bands such as Pink Floyd and uh, the early recording, they were doing, they were doing this, the, the recording there. First, because it was a very good studio. It's outside Paris. And second, for tax reasons also. Okay. Uh, maybe first tax reasons and then because it was a good yeah. studio. And, and then I went there as an assistant to, uh, for a sound assistant for, to, to be in the studio, to, to work in the studio. And I worked and collaborated with some of, um, Terry Riley's se sessions. And I worked with Terry Riley for, for, to prepare that. I was absolutely amazed by watching this guy. I mean, t Terry, I mean, just sitting on the floor with his own carpet. And then playing all organs around him with uh, uh, echo chambers and things around, and uh, doing all the sequences by hands, so he could re he could play. It was the, the, he's one of the father of minimalist music, and uh, so you Reich. saw him do that before you started. Exactly, right? That, okay. that is so, something that probably influenced me by saying, okay. And, but after a while, I said, okay, we we should have a kind of sequencer. Yeah, that you could, uh, and then he built. The first, actually, probably one one of the first in the world, first called Matrix Sequencer with a, a very unusual uh, kind of pre MIDI type of sync code, and I don't know for obscure reasons, we it, it took us always half a day to synchronize this bloody machine to uh, <laughs> to anything else. 
But it works. Yeah. And, and the, the beauty of it is actually it was like the VCS3 because that was my idea to the matrix. I always love this kind of matrix with, uh, with pins. And then the matrix sequencer is based on this philosophy of this idea of having it's a 64 by 16 huge matrix board where you have all the notes vertically and then all the events horizontally. Yeah. And the, the beauty of it is you can loop by putting a, uh, another pin on the top of this machine it's, it's there i will t- i will i will show it to you later yeah. this one and 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 then you can actually having this this sequence and and you can make these sequences evolving live by just changing the pins on the way when it's playing and that changed my life but actually that we really went so when equinox. was that when when at the end of, of oxygen it was too late to use it so i i most of the sequences oh, from, right. from oxygen are coming from things i played by hand and they the, are the arpeggiator from the AKS. Yeah, really strange with this blue, blue, blue flat keyboard. This was really, uh, really difficult to to handle. And uh, one uh, just a very simple arpeggiator com- from coming from very important instruments in in Oxygen and Equinox and also magnetic fields called the uh, RMI uh, harmonic synthesizer. It was the first additive synthesis. Like an organ, where you get you can just add add uh, harmony. Well, it was harmonics. a digital synth. It's called digital synth. Yeah, it was actually kind of semi digital, but but and then you had this kind of uh, uh, way of arpeggiator where you can just push a button and then it will repeat the, the note. So by doing a chord, you you will it repeat would. that. And that oxygen five is done with this, and yeah. and then so I I really had actually no sequencer just just basic arpeggiator plus playing the, the the sequences on by hand and then when you when you were wrong you had to go back to scratch you couldn't you know you, yeah, you had to replay the old section so it was quite <laughs> heavy yeah. process to do yeah and and actually uh, the i always had a lot of respect for all these uh, fantastic musicians Terry Riley and then Steve Reich and and Philip Glass I mean, because they created this uh, minimalist movement, which in my opinion, for me, has been much more influential for contemporary music than the European contemporary music, where lost themselves somewhere in wanting to be too abstract and too, too extreme. I mean, I remember when I was uh, in the music research center that Xenakis came for, for a masterclass and he was saying things like, uh, you know, guys, everything in music linked with emotions or feelings is suspect and things like this. And lots of some of these musicians, I mean, in those days published books saying, if you follow my system, you always do good music for the rest of your life. I mean, things as extreme as that. And then they lost themselves in being too abstract and too intellectual, where the, the modern contemporary music of the same, more or less the same period in New York, for me, is, is much more linked to what avant-garde is all about. Because what, what avant-garde is all about is actually linked to, uh, to the fact that it becomes classical 30 years later. Yeah. I mean, Stravinsky was avant-garde and then 30 years later, it's become, it's become classic. And the same for Charlie Parker or, or anybody. Suspect is, is a really interesting word to use though, isn't it? Yeah. For, yeah. yeah. Because it's not bad. It's yeah, just, yeah. Uh, Suspect. Yeah. I mean, look, they're applying a rule book. Yeah. In a way. That's where it, it yeah, starts exactly. to become. I mean, you mentioned fascist, but, but it, it's kind of leaning that way. Once you start to tell people how they should make art, 
then yeah, you you you, you start to to be suspect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you start to be suspect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh, and and what is interesting with avant-garde is actually most of the time I was saying thirty years later it's becoming classic. But it, when you when you listen to the avant-garde music of this period, sixties, fifties, sixties, seventies, it's not the music of the twenty-first century. It's a music really part of a very precise period. Yeah. When you listen to the, this music, it's it's much more linked to uh, the uh, Atomium of Brussels, of Le Corbusier, of this kind of period in history, yeah. rather than being the classical music of today, where minimalism, like Steve Reich or Philip Glass uh, or Terry Riley, this kind of sequences and repetitive hypnotic type of uh, experimentations are much more linked with what we are doing today. Yeah. So this is environment in terms of where you record is important to you. I know that. And this is a question that I've always wanted to ask you. So imagine that you would have recorded Oxygen in a professional recording studio with, like you say, somebody behind the glass and you in front with all your instruments with, say, 16 tracks as opposed to eight, which you did it with. What, what would that have sounded like? It couldn't have been possible, I think. Mm. Uh, it would have been something, uh, something else, but I, but even more than that, I think, uh, it couldn't have been done because I mean, the, the, the charm in a sense, or maybe the, the, the uh, specific approach or the spe specific aspect of oxygen is especially because it has been done the way it has been done. I've always been convinced and more and more convinced in my life that actually the environment and the technology are dictating styles, yeah. not the reverse. I mean, African music sounds the way it sounds because they, they are, they are doing instruments with, uh, uh, with woods and, and, uh, animal skins and for, for percussions and, and uh, Vivaldi did the music he has done because just before we invented the violin, without yeah. the violin, Vivaldi won't exist. Elvis, the songs won't exist uh, if we didn't have 78, just able to cut the three minute songs. So the, the single as a format uh, and is coming from the jukebox, jukeboxes and, and 78 and so on. And it's the same with, uh, with, of course, with uh, synthesizers and electronic instruments. So uh, in, in my case for oxygen, the fact that I was, I had, I was in this environment with this uh, small, I mean, the kitchen being, and, and, and uh, it's funny because I, I've always been linked with uh, being born in Lyon and, and for me, the kitchen is quite important. Yeah. I mean, the, and also I always, since oxygen, even before, considered electroacoustic music like, uh, like an electronic music, like cooking, cooking beats, loops, frequencies and, and waveforms and all that. And, uh, and also the instruments. I had so, few instruments at that time. I had the eminent yeah. with a small stone. I had uh, the, uh, uh, this, uh, RMI, I mean, harmonic synthesizer with uh, electric mistress, another pedal. Far the, yes. And, uh, the ARP uh, 2600 and the VCS3. It was already you, lots of electronic instruments for the time, yeah. but it was very minimalist. So it couldn't have happened in any other environment. And if you'd have been offered that sort of opportunity, to record it in a studio with someone watching you all the time you're doing it and you know how normal albums are recorded i suppose i could i, I could have done it because i had uh, i had lots of contacts be because of my uh, other activity were producing albums and all that i could have done that in a, in a, in a recording studio it was absolutely possible but i i, I couldn't see myself doing this 
with this kind of environment. And yeah. you said something very important about somebody watching you. I mean, it's like imagining a, a painter or writer with somebody over exactly. uh, his shoulder. It's yeah. exactly the same thing. Yeah. You were mentioning something very interesting about your own experience as an actor, yeah. being in this kind of massive production. So, and suddenly you don't have only the director in front of you, but you have three people around just checking every details of your of your of your look of your way of your light and all that i mean it's of course a total different and quite <laughs> lots of pressure and yeah. quite a different environment so i'm absolutely convinced that that couldn't happen well that's what fascinates me about early electronic well electronic music in general is that it shifted away from being in the hands of a record label, you know, or, you know, the kind of constraints of that, i.e. being told exactly when you're going to go in record, who's going to be like, you know, sort of like producing it and that kind of thing. This was the first time that that had ever really happened. I mean, apart from the stuff in the UK, what was his name? Uh, Telstar. What was that producer called? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he did sort of basic yeah. home recordings, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... You made a whole album on your own in your kitchen, yeah, without anybody asking for it. Oh, of course, nobody but, even know. Even the, the my publisher being involved with my my work and the record, the label, they have no idea about what I was doing because it's like it was like a side project. But yeah. actually, my side project for me was a kind of priority, but it was considered as a side project elsewhere, even not a project at all because I didn't even mention that to to anybody. Because I've always I've always been interested in. I mean, I always think. The best art for me, or the most interesting, is is usually the art that no one's asked for, or no one's you know sort of commissioned or whatever. Yeah. And that definitely, this definitely falls into that, doesn't it? In in the way that um, you did this with some very basic instruments. I mean, I'm going to get onto, I'm going to become sort of technical now. Yeah, but you know, just to comment on just what you said, I think this is the beauty of <clears throat> the first album, the first novel, the first movie, you do. Nobody is, ex is waiting for you. Yeah. So it's something that nobody needs yeah. and something that you, you, you do just on your own. And this is a unique moment you have to enjoy in your life because it's not going to happen again. Yeah. Or it's not going to happen again if it's a success or it's a hit. Uh, if it's not, it will be next time or maybe never. Yeah. But the first hit is, uh, in a sense the best news for, for your life, but it's also one of the most unfortunate events because you will lose your virginity as an unexpected act. Yeah. Because then after that, everybody will expect something. And most of the time, they will expecting something wrong. Yeah. And that, that's something that will not... And also the other thing is actually in this first project, you put all the, your experiences, your, your experimentations and your dreams since you're born. Then you reset everything after the first album, and the second one will be just what you, what, your evolution and what you learned from the first one to the second one. So the period will be much, much smaller yeah. to uh, the maturation and yeah. the, the, the way it's, it's evolving, the evolution of it. Yeah, to sort of prepare for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because this is a thing that, I mean, if people listen to Oxygen, even now, I don't think that they would realize how kind of simple in terms of instrumentation that you had i mean the main sound of oxygen the signature sound basically comes from a home organ and a guitar pedal yeah would that be accurate y yes and even more even worse 
50% of the music is the delay of the, on, on the right side, on the right speaker from, coming from the uh, left speaker. It's actually 50% of the, of the sound is coming from the, the delay of the, of the original music. Yeah. And that uh, actually, the sound of this uh, eminent yeah. and the, the Revox tape recorder creating the delay, it has a, and it's a very, very specific sound. I mean, each instrument is, is specific by definition, but the, the Revox doesn't sound at all like uh, any other kind of uh, delay processing or whatever. And then that, that's actually, uh, so I had to synchronize the, the speed of the Revox instead uh, uh, in function of the tempo and why the tempo of oxygen is something that I never discussed that, but why the tempo of oxygen is, is 120 or 60 yeah. is because the speed of a Revox at that moment, the Revox I had, had no speed uh, variators, var variator. Wow. And then when you are in the regular speed of a tape recorder, the 375 the, the, or, or nine and a half yeah. or 375 inch per second is 120, is the equivalent of 120 or 60 BPM. I didn't know that. And, okay. and then, then the delay I used was linked. And then I, I, I was synchronized the, my clock or whatever on the speed of the delay to, to, to match the, the speed. So the, the tempo of my, of, of any kind of parts uh, on oxygen actually was dictated by the governed speed by of the govern and, and, and dictated by, by the speed of the, the delay. I didn't know that. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah. So that's another constraint from the, uh, equipment much like exactly much uh, like uh, yeah, exactly yeah, Same, yeah, yeah 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 and the other thing is a teenager i remember listening to it and i didn't understand how the hell you'd managed to sync that drum machine to the bass lines and to the sort of marimbery parts on four and all this kind of thing so you were actually modifying bits of equipment yeah but actually for the for the for oxygen the uh, i i simply played everything manually yeah on the drum machine right okay the, the old sequences with the mini pops all sequences above were done manually because i couldn't sync anything in okay. those days. that came later on and for equinox we we then uh so you didn't sync the anything. mini pops for oxygen anything so it's the baseline you're playing yeah, like. i was just playing oh my God. play and playing on 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 it and when it was wrong i was going back to it's it. very impressive yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> and, uh, and very laborious also yeah yeah concept, yeah. yeah and also another thing which is quite fun talking about this really technically on oxygen 2 you have this sequence coming from uh, the arpeggiator from the aks and uh, it's absolutely not the same tempo as the mini pop, but it works in a sense that uh, it's like one third of the tempo more right. quickly, and and then it's a, it's like a random sequence, and it works mysteriously, not that mysteriously if you if you're analyzing what's going on in terms of, of tempo, but actually it's not synchronized, but it works, okay. and then I kept it. On, yes, I, I I did I did it, and then it was it was really just uh, by shifting the speed a little bit. Suddenly it was working, so I, I left left I left it like this, and I recorded it once because I couldn't I couldn't do it couldn't, again. Couldn't do it again. Oh, that's fascinating. The other thing that we've talked about before is the use of European organs as opposed to American organs, like yeah. the eminent being Dutch, the Farfis are Italian organ. Yeah, and they do have a different atmosphere, 
don't they? Like the absolutely, it's a very very interesting point, uh, Matt. This because it's coming from something that is not said very often. That is based on the fact that after the Second World War, because the Europe was so poor, we went into all over Europe with two hundred twenty volts. Where in the US it was one twenty. Yeah, it means to save the copper in all cables and wires. With 220, you could divide the, the amount of copper by four. This is the reason why the recordings of that time in America have this kind of very warm and, and fat type yeah. of sounds where the sounds, and it's also made the, the sound of, of UK rock and pop. I mean, it's much dry and smaller. You take a VC, an AMS VCS3 and you take, a, you take a Moog, a Moog. This is exactly what the illustrations of what I'm talking about. Yeah. And uh, I always prefer the sound of uh, Italian, uh, European organ, this kind of coldness and uh, yes, coldness and, and having the kind of straight when you, when you take, for instance, the, the Vox Continental. Yeah. I mean, it has this kind of dry sound that makes the sound of the doors, for instance. Yeah. Where the B3 Hammond would never would never do that. No. And I, I, I'd never been a, such a big fan I, uh, of B3. I, ne I, ne I never really used it because for me it was too jazzy and too, too warm, too, too fat, taking too much, too much, uh, range in, uh, in a mix. Yeah. When you, when you use that, it's so, so fat that you, you cannot really add something on it. It's very difficult. And also because of the dryness and the coldness of these instruments, if you were putting a pedal, guitar pedal, it would, work much better than exactly. uh, on the B3. Yeah. And this is the reason why I, I used always this, this kind of, uh, and I love the, my, I still have my, my Fafisa and, and it's something that, uh, uh, we had in common with, uh, uh, with Rick Wright. He's always played with, uh, Fafisa and organ like this. I, I even don't know if he, maybe he played a bit of, uh, Hammond, but I think he was really playing this because actually, in electronic music, this is the, the sound, the, the, yeah. the cool sound. I well, Philip Glass dry is, sine, yeah. sine wave and, and uh, square and triangle and, and not, uh, yeah. uh, they are not jazzy at all. They are more straight. Yeah, because I first heard them with Philip Glass, maybe before hearing you. You know the album where there's four of them all sat around playing a Farfisa? Yeah. And they're all going out of time with each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's totally fascinating to listen to. And then I remember listening to your, and your Farfisa with the... Um, Electric Mistress, isn't it? Yeah. Really pokes through. I suppose because of the vibrato is much more sort of prominent, isn't it, on those? As uh, opposed to being here with a Leslie. basic, yeah. in a sense. Less sophisticated. Yeah. And you know, uh, all this kind of... Um, and, and also the sound of... Uh, uh, the, the organ sound of the eminent without the string ensemble uh, type is also very basic, close to the Farfisa. And for instance, in Oxygen Part 5... All the beginning where you have this kind of uh, harmony, I mean, harmonics going through like this. Yeah. Something that is very difficult to, to get. And this is really based on the electric mistress, mistress pedal with the sound of eminent organ or Fafisa organ. Yeah. Because the sine wave are very pure. And then when you put the flanger on that, that's actually cutting, I mean, breaking the, 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 the signal of the sign. In, and then it's, they are going through like in, in a quite, ghostly yeah. atmosphere and this is really magic yeah it and is like I, I couldn't do that with uh, anything else even further on when i wanted to to repeat this uh, it, it didn't work it's really working with this kind of uh, organ yeah of that period 
Because I listened to, I think I told you last, the, the last time they sort of cleaned off um, the Good, Bad and the Ugly soundtrack. Any mm-hmm. of and the Far Fees are really pokes through. Oh, that yes. I've never heard before. Like, yeah. I mean, even on like the opening track, yeah, 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 if you yeah. listen, it's sort of underneath those those yeah. drums. It's really atmospheric. It's such a, like you say, it's a completely different atmosphere than a B three or yeah, I mean, any uh, other. Or, we 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 haven't talked in, enough in the history of electronic music about the importance of Italian instruments. Yeah, I mean, we should never forget that the the, the Stradivarius and all these fantastic instruments are Italian. So the Italian have very, as we know a very organic relationship with sounds. And and then all these cheap organs, or as we call cheap organs or cheap instruments, yeah. I mean, are really part of the history of electronic music. And uh, if you take the uh, Synthex Elka Synthex, it's certainly even the best sound for for uh, for an, an analog uh, polyphonic uh, synthesizer. It's way better than the memory mog or whatever, even if I love this, the, the memory mog as, a, as an instrument. But Syntex is absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. In the, the, and, and they just did 50 in the world, you know? Yeah. Because they, they, and you got three. Bankrupt. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> yes, the 47 are, are out there. Left. <laughs> yeah. And there's the other thing as well, the really obscure. Stevie Wonder thing. has, uh, has, I, I think, has, has, got a few? has uh, two, I think. Yeah. David Arnold's in. got one. Yeah, yeah, I saw that the yeah, other day. Yeah, but um, and then there's that really odd-looking thing that I've never seen anywhere apart from with photographs of you, is that eco drum machine mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, Italian again. Right? Italian again. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and very interesting because it was like uh, with this kind of card, like uh, the first computer card, where yeah. you put holes in a, in a, in a card. Is is uh, like this uh, this kind of uh, street organ. But uh, it's funny that actually the, the, the early computers are co- copying the process of street organs with cardboard and holes, rectangle holes. And then you were able to create your own rhythm by just punching. With punching. Yeah. But, but also, I lost all these cards very, uh, at a very early stage. And then, then you have no, because that was to, to keep your, your presets and to keep your things. So I, I used it just live. That's right. It. And it has a very, also a very specific sound because, of course, drum machines are also an old story on, on, on themselves. And uh, it's very important for, in my case, I mean, drum machines have always been very, very important. The sounds of them, uh, the mini pops or the KF55 uh, for, for, for Equinox. And uh, these are really key instruments. We are talking about eminent, but the, the mini pops also is very important in oxygen, in the sound of oxygen. Yeah, sure. So it's released and it's massive as an album. After having been rejected by... Sure, so it's on an independent label first that doesn't do it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. So tell me what... So so what were the excuses not to to release it when you first gave it to... Because uh, you have uh, no drums, no singer, and also uh, each part is too long for single, for radio, and on top of it, I'm French. (laughs) (laughs) oh wow okay in the in the in the on the from from the international yeah rock you know it was you have to 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 uh remember that it was in days where john lennon was uh was saying that uh the level of french rock music is at the level of english wine Right. Did he say that? Yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. So, fortunately, it's, it's, it, it, we, we got our revenge later on. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, he didn't see it. No. 
All right, I didn't know that either. Yeah, so it's turned down for those reasons. Yes. And then you take it to... Dreyfus, yes. Yeah. I mean, I was already in, in deal with him, but then uh, we actually uh, uh, wanted to, to have an international release and, and uh, it was really, uh, it was really hard. And then he, he took it intentionally. And then in my life, thanks to the UK, a few times, because uh, Radio One picked it up. Like, Simon May, wasn't yeah, it? And they, they, he played the, the entire album one night. Right. And then that was the beginning of, uh, of, of it. And then Polydor took the album worldwide. It became an instant hit uh, all over the world, very fast, very quickly. And I'm, I'm, I still have somewhere the charts, charts in Europe and uh, where it was, it has been released, uh, and it was really, uh, popular is in summer 77 when, I mean, Elvis died. And I remember that Oxygen was number one and, and after you had seven albums of Elvis. Oh. So it, in a, in a, in a lifetime being a massive, Elvis fan, it was really an achievement. Yeah. <laughs> that is incredible. So they, so Polydor made the decision on the back of it being played on Radio One in the UK. Yeah. It, they it, took it, it on. I mean, it's, it came from Radio One as usual. You don't, as you know, even, even now, I mean, from, uh, you don't dictate anything to Radio One. They pick no. up what they want to, 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 to pick. And they said, ah, oh, that's fun. Let's do that. And actually, ironically, uh, very popular radio stations called uh, Europe Number One, Europe Number One in France, did the same thing. Right. They played the entire album as well, more or less the same week. It's uh, or, or a bit earlier on, and and then it has it has it created the same kind of phenomenon. It's uh, quite rare because they they, I mean, radio stations even Radio One they they didn't play the entire album a lot. They, I think I know that they did it for Dark Side of the Moon. I think, yeah, but not for lots of albums. I mean, it's a so it was quite an event. Yeah. Okay, so then, so the time of it going to the sort of top of the charts from when you start to record Equinox, were you doing, had you been doing sort of preparation for the follow-up album when you finished Oxygen? You know, this is the, 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 that every recording artist know is the, the, the nightmare of uh, the second album where you suddenly you, you have a massive hit and then you have uh, lots of new friends and lots of pressure and suddenly lots of people are interested by what you're doing and and the same people were even not knowing you and having no clue about what you were who you were yeah. just a few months before so uh and for equinox then my challenge was to develop the idea i had by actually um uh, in terms of structure, in terms of, uh, of, uh, arrangement. So it took me one, really one entire year to do the second one, uh, on 16 tracks. Yeah. So I dubbed, I, I had, uh, but I, I still did the Equinox in the same, con within the same conditions. Is this the reason the why same it's so kitchen. close? The same kitchen. Yeah. Just the color is, a, it's a, quite funny because, in my life, I, I just uh, divorced during, uh, during oxygen. And then in the flat, my ex-wife at that time, I mean, she took absolutely everything in, including the handles and, and bulbs and everything. And it was all black. It was, you know, this kind of uh, brilliant black, the old, the old flat, the old apartment was black. And just, I just had a huge tennis shoes that was li like a bed. You know, these days you had, the, it was like a bed. You, you, I could sleep. I, I was sleeping in this kind of giant, 
tennis shoes, ten tennis shoe. Yeah. And then w people went to the, to this apartment to listen to oxygen the, at the beginning. I mean, uh, media people and all that. And they were coming into this apartment, all black, empty, just with the tennis shoe. And then, uh, when, um, uh, with Charlotte, the mother of my kids, we lived in this apartment. We painted everything in white. And then we decided to move outside actually close to this uh, studio. And then we moved, but I was finishing Equinox. So then the apartment was still empty because we moved, moved in a different place. And then the same people came two years later and saw the same apartment, all white, yeah. the same, everything empty, just with, still with a tennis shoe as a bed. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was quite... <laughs> <laughs> Quite interesting to see their faces. Yeah. And then the, the equinox actually, uh, we, we, I did it still in the same, the same situation, just with a little more equipment. But it's the reason why that it's, uh, it's quite linked to oxygen in terms of sound. But I, I think that looking back and uh, having worked recently on this uh, new album linked to oxygen, it's, uh, it's, uh, I think I succeeded to do what I wanted to do by making oxygen more sophisticated and in terms of arrangement and having actually starting to to synchronize sequences so it was a big relief yeah. and being able to synchronize the drum machine as well at the same time so it's it it has it has, but it has been a long long process to try to find the the right pace yeah so is that kitchen still there is that apartment still there no yeah, yeah it's somewhere but i i think it has been uh, i i i moved into uh in outside paris close to where we are today and uh in a in a house and then i left the, the apartment to a, a very funny guy he was a, a stand-up comedian french stand-up comedian right and he transformed this kitchen into a kind of um, greek roman bathroom totally crazy so it be, uh, this kitchen became a, a recording studio and then a total time of kitsch kind of uh, of bathroom afterwards, which I, I, I quite like yeah, yeah. As, as, an, as an idea. And is that what it is now? Is it still I don't know, bathroom? because that was a long time ago. That I, I think no, because the this uh, guy, very funny guy, actually passed away, and I know it has and then the apartment. It's been so. Yeah, I don't know. It must be quite interesting to whoever's in there, whether they... Yeah, it's a good idea. I, I should go back there and just... Yeah. Bring it just to check where, where well, it's, yeah, yeah, it's quite an important space. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So the equipment is slightly more sophisticated and you've got, you've got an idea of what you want to do for this follow up album, would you say? I don't know. I suppose that for, I had this discussion for, with some artists that the, the first album you, you do and being successful is, sometimes quite mysterious the way you do it. And when I listened, and I remember when I was listening to the side one of the, uh, of the vinyl of, uh, of Oxygen, there is a kind of uh, quite magic balance in all this. I mean, everything is quite, uh, quite smooth and, and uh, quite logical. In a, and I did it almost in a kind of unconscious way, just by playing and, and doing experimenting. And then I, I always, I said for the second one, I have, I really would like to, go deeper in the fact that uh, the parts should not should not be felt as part with a transition but uh, like a con like a con continuous mix right and then that being conscious of this it became much more difficult than having done that by chance more or less yeah so uh, that took me much more time and also the concept of oxygen was of course ba based on the concept of air ethereal and, and air where equinox 
I decided that Equinox would be more aquatic and more wet and more, more linked with, uh, more liquid in the sense of the uh, approach of uh, natural sounds or processed sounds. After Oxygen, between Oxygen and Equinox, I met uh, Fellini and he told me two very important things in my life. It was just, uh, he actually, I met him at Cannes Festival and uh, actually Nino Rota uh, passed away and he was going to do his last movie and he asked me to do the soundtrack for that. And I said I couldn't. Because I, um, for me, I'm, I'm, Nino Rota is so important in my life and the collaboration between those two. I mean, I, I, I was not, was not feeling that I could be, uh, as able to do it. I, I regret it after to have said no, but actually it was not too much of a regret because unfortunately Fellini passed away just, uh, after. So it happened. But the two things he told me about was first of all, he said, you know, in my life, I always thought that I was doing a, a new movie. And I re realized at the end of my life that I always did the same one, just a declination of the same pro process, which I think is true for any artist. Yeah. And, and the second thing, he said, you know, I hate realism. And uh, for instance, for me, if I want the sea and the beach, I'm going to recreate the sea in studio with drapes and veils and, and uh, fans and painting, because I think my view of of, of the sea is more important than the real, the real one. And, and, and that really rang a bell to, to, in, in my mind, because it's exactly what, what I like in electronic music. And then, for instance, all the sounds of, uh, uh, of waves and, uh, in oxygen, for instance, even in equinox in some moment, even if I mix a bit of natural sounds processed, are actually recreation, my view of the sound of the, of the waves and, and birds. The seagulls, really, yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the seagulls that I entirely did with the ARP 2600. Yeah. Uh, instead of, of having real ones, I could have used real recordings, but it was much more poetic for me and much more interesting to recreate them because then it's, it's like painting. It's like recreating something fake. Mm. But I mean, fake sometimes is, I mean, art is more, all about fake elements. Yeah. And these fake elements are giving you another view of reality. Yeah. And this is what also uh, is really behind the Equinox a lot. This, this idea of uh, imitating in a sense also classical instrument, but not like we talked about before with the preset and the, the X7, or what, but, but just finding things that make you culturally think about instruments being familiar, but they're not exactly that. And that, that was the, one of the ideas for the arrangement for, the, for Equinox. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in the studio with Jean-Michel Jarre next week for another episode.